So, so you're saying that it's, um, it's not all for nothing. Like I can change. Uh, I don't know about you, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. We all can change. We all can change. Yeah. You're just saying that you need to keep your ego in check, be learning on consistently and having people around you that you can trust and can help you. Yep. Be the best version of yourself. Yep. Fantastic. Hey, I'm Armando Leduc, producer, film actor, and owner of Leduc Entertainment. I have chosen a life off the beaten path and wanted to find others that are doing the same. Spaghetti on the Wall is a show based on all of the years that I've thrown spaghetti on the wall and nurtured what's stuck. We will share fun stories, ideas, tips, tricks, and more. Welcome to Spaghetti on the Wall. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on when you are consuming this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Terry Rapphold in the house. Woohoo. You like that? Yeah. I have all kinds of buttons. So if I say something weird, I'll just hit that. Okay. So it'll be nice. What's up, man? Top of the morning. For I'm people that live. Yeah, for people that don't know, my father in law. Hello. And um, you know, and 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 mentor. Um, you know, there's been uh, a lot of things that I've learned from you in the in the business field, and we're gonna get into uh, we're gonna get into into business and all of that. But you know, okay. appreciate the uh, the mentorship. Absolutely. Um, you know, when when you get old, you have nothing else to do. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, that's, I guess that's the thing, right? Like as you get older, you have to give back. Yeah. Right. And so giving back is awesome. And as long as people are listening and I am, you know, I try to listen, I'm not always the most, uh, absorbable. I'll tell you, I was reading a book. It's called the ultimate sales machine by Chet Holmes. And in the book, Mm -hmm. it says that people only absorb about 17% of a conversation. Right. Well, yeah. So half the time there are, formulating a response to what you're saying and yep. they, they zone out and that's kind of the way communication is, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about how you got started in entrepreneurship because you did not start that way. You were psychology major. Yeah. Psychology major, English minor, um, got married at a relatively young age in, in those, in those times, but, uh, and had a child who was sick had allergies, extreme allergies, so he had to go through a series of allergy shots three times a week or initially, and then it, it, it petered out, but quite expensive. So I took a break from college to go into the work world and got stuck into the work world, learned that I had some talents that I didn't know I had, sales in particular. So I kind of started off working a warehouse, working the order desk, working you know, the operation side and someone saw the aptitude or thought they saw the aptitude in the sales. So I went into sales. So that's kind of what the English minor, the psychology major, they both kind of worked in together. And so started doing pretty well with that and uh, ended up starting my own business, which was kind of risky, but, but kind of fun. And uh, that business developed into other interrelated businesses so at one time I had like four companies operating and quite a few employees uh, Katrina hit the city so the employee count quadrupled because we had a lot of people that we were helping to clean the city and uh, 40 years lived in that world of worry stress anxiety responsibility uh, and uh, 
and then discovered the world of Tai Chi, which, you know, we can talk about a little bit more later, which helped calm my mind and helped stabilize me and help propel me on the journey that, that I think I'm on today. Fantastic. So, yeah, let's talk about how, what it's like running for, I know what it's like running two businesses, but four businesses, I mean, what, you know, t- tell me a little bit about that. The biggest, um, I'll talk about the problems and I'll talk about the, the fun. The biggest problem is that when you establish a business and initially you start off relatively small and, and then as you grow and the need grows with it, then you have more employees. Those employees have families. All of a sudden you're responsible for keeping a few hundred people fed. That's pretty tough. So that's that's the difficulty. And you, you, you own two businesses, so you know business is not always doing that right it goes up it goes down so there's a lot of stress there's a lot of self-imposed stress that comes from that trying to feel responsible for everybody the fun though is in achieving the success right you know making that happen amidst the failures because there's a lot of failures within that but you know one great win all of a sudden wipes out those failures so I guess I'm an entrepreneur at heart. You know, I, I really like to get out there and and do things that most people do not do, will not do. Um, I think I do it out of a sense of ignorance. I, I, I don't know any better. So <laughs> I get out there and I, I just throw spaghetti on the wall yeah. and uh, and make it happen. So that's, that's a lot of it in business. Have you been... I'm I'm extremely optimistic in terms of where I think business is always going to go, and yeah. I don't necessarily. I, re- I just finished a book called The Road Less Stupid, which is really good. But yeah. uh, the guy's talking about you know people, business owners that are optimistic, you know, tend to overinflate where they think you know sales are going to be. You know, so were you ever like that, or are you just more realistic, or you know, you're all about the numbers? Um. I am an eternal optimist, but I don't think I fit that that description. I don't think I overinflated uh, expectations. Um, I just busted ass to make the numbers happen. I do watch the numbers. I mean, uh, I'm not as interested in sales as I am as interested in profitability. So, you know, even when sales would start to go down, I figured out a way to maintain that profitability, you know. One of my mentors told me either raise the bridge or lower the water, right? So, I mean, you know, if, if things are starting to peter, which they will, then uh, the bridge is not raising, the sales are not going up. So I had to lower the water. I had to cut expenses. So I learned how to do that. So I kind of kept it pretty well balanced. I've been very fortunate in my life in all the aspects that I've considered successes to have great mentors. You know, you mentioned I'm a mentor to you, and I appreciate that. Um, the um, I think that's the key to my success. Uh, the right person has come along in my life at the right time. So they've helped keep me grounded. So I, I guess I don't fall into what you're talking about, you know, great expectations, uh, over-expecting. I, I pretty well keep it real. That's cool. Always, though, like maybe... At, it, it, when you were younger, did you ever have, you know, maybe like, you know, you, you're shooting for the, you're shooting for oh. the fences, swinging for the fences and you're, you know. Well, I think we all should swing for the fences. Right. 
you know, um, realizing that, you know, one of the greatest baseball players or, or some of the best baseball players strike out two out of three times, right? right? They're, they're average 300, 400 at best, right? So I think we all should swing for the fences. I, in my head, um, uh, I think I always swung for the fences. I think I'm better than what I am. <laughs> There's been some humbling experiences in, in that regards. But I also think that that's the way you, you grow, and I think that's the way you achieve success. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell me how tell me how ego plays into hmm. um, sort of the demise of people. Okay. Um, actually, in, in this uh, novel that is hopefully coming out soon, my, my first novel, I talk a lot about that. I talk a lot about the ego. Ego is a sense of I. It, it's, it's important. It's important to have this sense of who you are and a sense of I. It's when that sense of I makes you feel like you're more important than what you are, which is what my problem was, right, at an at a earlier stage in life. So the ego by itself is not a bad thing. It's letting the ego take control of the way you think, the way you act, the decisions that you make. So we always want to keep our ego in check. And that's when you talk about the demise. The demise is when we don't. You know, we just follow the ego. And the ego, um, the ego has a way of tricking us. <laughs> it has a way of, of really uh, keeping us from understanding our true mission yep. and our true direction. So, yeah, keep the ego in check. Yeah, because I think, you know, and I, look, I... I I've been a victim of this several times where, you know, everything is going well, you're killing it. And you're like, this is it. I'm going to stay here. And you don't, you never do. You never do. You know, and yeah. you just, you know, you, you really have to check yourself in those moments more, you know, more specifically. Right. Like, and yeah. how, how, how are you doing that? How are people doing that? Like checking themselves in those moments or do they have people around them that are not yes people that are like, you know, trying to ground them well going back to one of my mentors uh, he said that we learn more about through failure than we do through success in success come on a great job terry doing a great job uh failure is when we sit down we go what could i have done better you right. know why did that happen you know what what can i do so um I don't think it's as necessarily as important about the people that we surround ourselves with, although the people that we surround ourselves with help the engine roll. Um, we can't do it all by ourselves, right? So surrounding yourself with quality people that share in your vision, that um, share in your moral standards and um, everything that you stand for has been a huge part of my success. But examining my failures, learning where I messed up what I could have done better correcting that not repeating that um, that's been a large measure of the successes that I think I've had and I think I'm trying to still have have there been times where you made the same mistakes over and over again uh, it's called a life script 
Um, <laughs> of course, uh, we all uh, have this life script, right? Uh, Another thing that has helped me along the way that's helped me with that, though, is, is a book called The Tao Te Ching. And The Tao Te Ching is a litany of sorts of how to live, a philosophy of how to live. And, and it talks about um, understanding others, you gain knowledge. Understand yourself, you gain wisdom. It further says that mastering yourself, or mastering others, excuse me, requires strength. Mastering others requires force. Mastering myself requires strength. So learning that, you know, learning, learning to stop and look at those things that I've done incorrectly and breaking that life script cycle is, it takes strength. It takes strength to examine, you know, what, what are my weaknesses? We don't want to admit our weaknesses, right? So it takes quiet, it takes times of quiet, it takes meditation if you want to look at it like that, uh, contemplation. Um, and so these little tidbits or these little pearls of information have come to me during those times and it's helped me break that life script. That's great. So, so you're saying that it's, um, it's not all for nothing, like I can change. Uh, I don't know about you, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we all can change. We all can change. Yeah. You're just saying that you need to keep your ego in check, be learning on consistently, and having people around you that you can trust and can help you be the best version of yourself. Yep. Fantastic. So let's let's, uh, segue into your Tai Chi training. Okay. And how that sort of helped you in your um, entrepreneurship world. Okay. The... um, that journey began about 40 years ago, I guess. And um, I had gotten, had some health issues. Why? Because of the worry, the anxiety, the responsibility, the stress of running four businesses, right? So I started to develop health issues, some of which were serious enough to have to have medication supposedly for very long term, which was breaking up my body. I didn't feel too good about it so I started looking at alternate ways to complement the western medical world started off with yoga did that for about three years very good um, very relaxing very calming uh, and then discovered the world of tai chi which is very similar to to yoga it's um, somewhat of a moving form of yoga but in my experience more geared to healing the body so started learning more about that started studying a lot more, fell into a teaching role living in New Orleans because there was no one, less than a handful of people that understood Tai Chi 40 some odd years ago. So fell into a teaching role and then ended up um, being accepted by the Western medical world in, in the hospital. So I still teach, been teaching for almost three decades at East Jeff Hospital, Wellness Center, and other related wellness places, I mean, excuse me, wellness places. So that journey, and if you ever become a teacher, you want to be careful not to say something incorrect. So the best way to learn is to teach. It makes you examine what you're saying, how you're saying it. Um, and so the 
my journey into that world kind of exponentially advanced because I took on the responsibility of teaching. And as such, it I ended up basically eliminating that, that issue, that health issue, which was rheumatic fever, throughout my entire system. So I went, whoa, this, there's something to this. So I kept studying, kept learning. And as I kept teaching, it... Um, it stabilized me. And so in relation to the business world, it was huge because I started to understand what was more important in business, how to get where I wanted to go without freaking out. Um, and I became more productive, right? And I go, hmm, all right, there's something here. So that Tai Chi journey has been basically the cornerstone of the last 40 years of my life and, and where I am today, which has kind of led into um, publications, writings as well, which we, I'm sure we'll talk about later. Cool. And so it, it allowed you to center yourself, allowed you to relax. From that relaxed state, you're able to make better decisions. You're able to not just be as impulsive. Are you an impulsive guy? I don't, I don't. I was, I was, I was impulsive. I was angry. I was, uh, <laughs> as a young man, uh, foolish, uh, probably, uh, among the masses, you know, I mean, we all kind of do that. That's why, uh, young men and young women to this, to this day make good soldiers. You know, we're, we're very impulsive. We think we bulletproof. We think we can do whatever we want. And the military uses that to kill you know, to, to use people to kill. Mm. So, yes, I was impulsive. <clears throat> I had a, a deep-rooted anger that in my 71 years still happens to show up occasionally. Uh, I've gotten a lot more into, into check with that. But uh, absolutely, if you, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm becoming a little less impulsive and, you know, have definitely found myself in great situations as a result of taking action quick, but have also seen the ramifications of not thinking clearly before moving forward. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. Good. Children will do that for you too. And you know, not that you have a child, your children are your best teachers. They absolutely your best teachers. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they put things into perspective for us. They, um, they, you know, again, you are a teacher to that child, right? You're trying to raise that child. You're trying to um, guide her spirit without breaking her will. And in order to do that, you have to take a look at yourself. Right. Just like I had to do with teaching Tai Chi. You have to make sure that you are telling that individual, that young, impressionable brain that's going to soak up everything. You want to make sure that you're telling that individual to the best of your knowledge, we're going to make some mistakes. You know, we do that. Um, you want to make sure that you're telling that individual the most important things that you think can impart her growth, his growth. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. So then you wrote a book on, on, on Tai Chi. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess you retired from, from entrepreneurship and started into this new world of, of authoring. Yes, Partially correct. I'm semi-retired. Uh, 
had another offer yesterday. To, you know, when, when you're 40 years in an industry, there's more up here than there is anywhere. Mm. You know, the experience of working in an industry uh, is immeasurable for, for decades. And so, you know, people who want to be successful, you know, want to surround themselves, like we said earlier, with like-minded people. So, I mean, somebody reached out to me again yesterday, wanted me to, you know, dangling money to come back, you know. And uh, I, I'm not going to do it, you know. It's always tempting. It's something that you always want to want to give a thought to. But um, so I'm semi-retired, meaning that I still have some input into some of the businesses that I have sold, but I've sold them over time. So, you know, I have an office that I work out of my house now, so and I'm working at a much lighter pace, easier pace, so it's, you know, it's actually fun. And, and something I don't know that I necessarily, I'm not ready to give up, right? I mean, again, you're in an industry for 40 years, you don't just turn off the light switch. Right. You know, it's, it's a, it's a Unless you hate it. Right. Yes, unless you hate it, yeah. And as a transition time that I haven't quite figured out what my transition time is yet. You know, I know that I'm slowly getting out, and I keep saying, I'm going to get out at the end of this year, and then it goes on another year. But um, during that transition, one of the things that came up is, is the writing. And so um, the first book I wrote was is entitled Tai Chi American Style, which is a non-fictional how-to book basically for beginners it was something that was requested mostly by my students you know wanting to know oh you have a book you have a book so i ended up writing this book now there do you have a video do you have a video um which is something i guess you and i have to talk about long term but because some of my students are now not only in new orleans they're they're starting to spread out to mm. the country so they're going you know, I want to be able to go to YouTube. I want to be able to do this. I want to go to be able to do that. I'm an old fart. It's <laughs> like, you know, yeah, golly, you know, social media. I, I don't know, you know. So <laughs> I get it. So, um, but it's something that I, I have to start thinking about because <clears throat> I, I keep hearing it. Yeah. So something I need to get out there and do. So that, that first book was quite a journey because let me back up a little bit. I was an English minor, so I do know something about the art of writing. Um, and, you know, you talk about uh, thinking I'm better than what I am. I thought I was a better writer than what I was, right? So I get out there and I, I, I write this first book, and thank God I had a good mentor that came along and said, hey, you know, we need to edit this um, we need to developmentally edit it, you know, give a better arc, give a better storytelling feel to it. Um, so that got did well. And um, I think I published that book in 2007, somewhere up in there. And I still get a, occasionally, a, a, once a month, a little bitty residual from Kindle or KDP or something like that. Um, then I always had in my head this idea and this story about the journey of mankind and what are we here for? Why are we doing what we're doing? Um, and so I, it, it started comically speaking. I, I would, uh, I, I recognize all these issues in life, right? I mean, humanity has so many problems. 
So I started saying, when I become God, I'm going to fix that. When I become God, I'm going to fix that. Well, my wife, who is very uh, spiritually grounded, it drove her crazy. So it gave me a, more of an incentive to say, when I become God, <laughs> I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. So I started writing down all these issues, all these problems. Then I constructed a somewhat of a lighthearted story around correcting these issues and these problems. And initially, the, the, the book was entitled When I Become God. Um, I ran into a couple little bumps with that. So I, I've changed the title right now to Morphosis of a Mere Mortal, The Awakening. And basically, it's about, it's a call to mankind to awaken from the illusion that the human experience is the only reality. It, it's not. You know, we're basically... And this is a, my belief system, but we're, we're basically embodied spirits that are having a human experience, right? So, you know, we think, though, it's all about this physical realm. Well, it's not. So, you know, in this first novel, it's a, this is a series of, uh, of novels that are going to explore the pilgrimage to higher consciousness. And I, I've written it in somewhat of a lighthearted way easy to read approach and, and in this first book we followed a protagonist nicknamed turtle during his adolescent years very tumultuous years right for all of us so you know it follows him along that difficult journey and along that journey he befriends a fellow named larry a rather quirky fella that has these wild grandiose we talked about that earlier he's got these wild grandiose philosophies and ideas and they sometimes comically absurd he's going to uh he's going to take away the pain of menstruation so you know he's got all these things that he's going to correct sometimes his ideas are, are even perhaps alien but they're also intertwined with mysticism and ancient spiritual teachings so it's a it's now a 350 page book that is completed that has been developmentally edited it's been line edited and i'm in a process of submissions to um agents and our indie publishers cool now that was my next um learning experience that's not easy it's oh my god right. it's not easy at all it's a lot of people a lot of people, a lot of rejections. I got three rejections in the last two weeks. Yay. I know that world <laughs> coming from the acting background. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, so was it, is it fun to write it? Oh, my God. It's been, I don't know if this thing ever gets published. It doesn't make any difference. Um, it, it was my journey, my journaling and my journey. Um, I've already, the, the the fellow who, um, there's, it's impacted a couple of people's lives already. The, the, the person who did the graphics in my Tai Chi novel, um, great, great kid, but he, he suffers from depression. And um, I did not know when I submitted this work to him and said, hey, I want you to do a cover. Uh, he, he read the book and he told me I saved his life. He was thinking of suicide wow and he said you saved my life this book has saved my life uh, and he did a wonderful cover um, 
I've had two other people tell me that. Uh, so there's something in the book. Uh, whether it goes any further, it's impacted three people's lives, that's good enough. That's amazing. That's really, really cool. Um, I think it's probably from, obviously from the perspective of somebody that's lived the life that you've lived, right? Like writing a book at 20, writing a book at 40, and then writing a book at 60 is, yeah. you know, is, is much, much different. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have so much more nuance, so much yeah. more, you know, wisdom that you're that you can put into a book that isn't necessarily like you can sneak it in you know what i mean yeah yeah it's hubris to say that i have any wisdom but uh <laughs> it's <laughs> back to ego right <laughs> yeah right uh but no you're absolutely correct you know uh the more we live the more we allow life to teach us those lessons that it's intended to teach us then hopefully some sensibility called wisdom gets stuck along the way. And so, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun writing this, this novel. Uh, I'm getting ready to start the second in the series. Um, and uh, don't know where it's going, but, man, it's been a journey. And it's a great journey. It's a, it's a hobby in a sense, right, that, that could hopefully – impact more than just my life and the other three people that I was talking to you about. That's amazing. I did have a question for you in terms of entrepreneurship from, cause you've been in the business for 40 years. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I know the answer, but I'll, 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 that's, I'm asking for this reason. Do you believe that business, I mean, obviously technology changes, but the principles of business stay the same. Is Abs that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Principles of business stay the same. Um, have a good product or a service, right? Develop marketing behind that. Deliver honestly and with the intention of helping your customer. You know, too often we, we go into business with the intention of making money. With the intention, I mean, obviously we want to make money. But if you go into it with the intention of making money instead of the intention of offering a good service or a good product, an honest service or an honest product to a customer that's really going to satisfy their, their needs and their desires, the money's going to come. So um, I forget why you asked me. I mean, what was the question again? Well, the question is, yeah, do you believe oh, that? Yeah, yeah the gonna, principles. Yeah, the principles. The, the principles, yes. Yeah, so those principles remain the same. They're, they remain constant. Technology, I feel like I'm, I'm becoming my mother. I'm too old. It's time for me to die. Um, oh, technology drives me crazy in the sense that, you know, I just registered for um, the Drew Brees Dream Foundation is having a pickleball, first ever pickleball tournament here. It took me 45 minutes on a computer to register for this thing. Because, you know, I am not computer savvy. Um, to me, they made it much more difficult on how to be. But I bet a 20-year-old would have done it in five minutes, right? So technology and I buck heads a little bit. <laughs> so you, you're a pickleballer. Ah, yeah. How did you, how did you come up upon, upon this? I mean, this thing is just growing crazy oh, fast. God, it's insane. Um, let's see. Uh, about 
two years ago, I ran into a kid that I, a guy, he's my age, that we grew up together. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Man, I'm playing pickleball. Pickleball? What's pickleball? I never heard of pickleball. Oh, man, it's, you know, it's this game that's played on a, like a shrunken tennis court with, you know, a wiffle ball and a paddle and, you know, some safety features in there so that old people don't, you know, hurt themselves. You ought to come and play. So I went and played once. If you play pickleball once, you'll never stop playing pickleball. It's addictive. It's great for reflexes. It's great for mild aerobic activity. Um, great for intensifying your focus or, you know, keeping your focus where it needs to be. There are shots, just like any other thing, like tennis or racquetball or what have you, ping pong. And um, so there's certain skill set that, that you develop, but you know, most of the people that are out there um, have never played a sport in their world, I mean, in their life. And, you know, sometimes they swing and miss, but it doesn't matter. You know, all, it's also a social game. The people that are out there are phenomenal. You know, they will take, they took me under my wing, under their wing. When I first started, I do the same with other people. Um, it's a, one of those things, again, don't, it is, it is a point you know, win-loss system, but if you don't think about the win-loss, but if you think about just playing against the only adversary that's out there, <clears throat> which is yourself, and making your own shots and helping the other person, your partner, because it's a partnership game, um, helping them do the same, it's another one of those journeys in life that's fantastic. And I'm telling you, you know, most of the people, it started off as for the aged, you know, 60 to 80 to 90. I think one of the places that I play at, they cap it at 99. They don't want you to be over 99, right? So it's a great game for the elderly. But like everything else, we talked about the explosion in this country. It's the biggest growing sport in this country. The youth are taking over because there's money. You know, there are sponsorships. There are, when I registered yesterday for the Drew Brees Foundation, beginning there was 650 tournaments wow in this country right now that wow. i could have chosen from 650 that's incredible just in night in 2023 remaining it's second half of 2023 is this the one that's happening over there in clearview no uh this is a... something that's uh he's building 24 courts in the convention center to kick off the football season it's the first ever um it's to benefit the Drew, the Drew Brees Foundation, dream, the Dream, whatever it's called, Dream Foundation, mm -hmm. Brees Dream Foundation, I think. And um, so that's one of the tournaments. The one in the Hilton that's a week before that is to benefit another charity. A lot of these things are to benefit charity. What I understand is happening at the Clearview shopping mall area, which is happening nationwide as well, is they're building these sports complexes with pickleball as the base. And then there's going to be other sports in there. I think there's going to be food bars. There's going to be, and there'll, cool. there'll be a membership, like a gym or something like that. So what they're but doing with malls, but they're yeah. trying to revamp them. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. They should, and and you know maybe open them up to uh, to residences. Well, I think they're going to do that too. Residences, yeah. re res residents, uh, retail, sports, healthcare, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. All right, Terry, thank you so much. Look in here and tell them where they can find you if they want to look you up. 
Oh my goodness. Well, you can find me on Facebook. Um, I don't remember the WW Facebook. Yeah, Terry, just Terry the, Rappel, on Facebook they can yeah. look you up. Yeah, at Terry they can find me Facebook. They can find me on. Um, again, I'm not a social media person, but I have been forced to get a Twitter account, so I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and another. I don't even know what else. Could be LinkedIn, maybe. Are you on LinkedIn? I'm not on LinkedIn. No. Um, no. Nah. So Facebook and Twitter. Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. There you go. All right. Looking forward to the book. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Spaghetti on the Wall, ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by LaDuke Entertainment. For all of your social media marketing needs, digital, video, social media, we got you. And you can watch Spaghetti on the Wall anywhere where you can catch podcasts at Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. And we'll see you guys next Friday for another episode. Thank you.